You are listening to the Vibrant Visionaries podcast hosted by me, Heidi Bennett. Welcome old friends and new listeners. What is Vibrant Visionaries all about? Well, this is how I describe a Vibrant Visionary. They're a creator skilled in a variety of disciplines who combine their many talents to bring the world innovative, groundbreaking, culturally impactful art and entertainment. They're curious, overflowing with a million ideas, a lifelong learner, tinkerer, and experimenter. They're compassionate, empathetic, emotionally intelligent, usually a little sensitive, and always abundantly hilarious. They understand the value of vulnerability when it comes to telling original stories and creating a compelling, thought-provoking body of work. Simply put, a vibrant visionary is my type of weirdo. These are the people I love having on the podcast and our relatively new YouTube channel. So if this all sounds good to you and maybe you even identify as a vibrant visionary, I invite you to check out all of our podcasts on vibrantvisionaries.com and pop over to the YouTube channel, Vibrant Visionaries Network, If you're interested in seeing the beautiful faces of a lot of the folks that I've been interviewing lately, I also have the Vibrant Kitchen there where I teach uh, simple recipes, really lightning fast and packed with flavor. I also share some of my vintage cookbooks and eclectic destinations, favorite gadgets, etc. So that's where you can find me. Now on with the show. Hey everybody, this is Heidi Bennett of the Vibrant Visionaries podcast and the Vibrant Visionaries Network on YouTube. And this is a YouTube video and a podcast. So if you're a listener, listen at Vibrant Visionaries as a podcast. And if you're a viewer on YouTube, check it out at Vibrant Visionaries Network. Today I have Betsida LeBron and you'll soon understand why I think she's a vibrant visionary. Welcome, Betsida. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Heidi. Yeah, so I've been kind of stalking you online a little bit, (laughs) a little bit on LinkedIn and uh, I think on Instagram. We have a few friends in common, I believe, in the Sacramento world and the comedy world and Like often with people, I just kind of get a vibe off of them as I'm exploring what they're putting out there. And then I go, I think I need to talk with this person. And you're definitely one of those people. So can you let everybody know what it is you do? Yeah, so I started my company, uh, Improv EQ, which is actually a training company. So I do a lot of consulting and training, specifically teaching managers who manage people how to be just better at all of the human parts, right? The interpersonal skills. And one of the main tools that I do to teach is improvisational comedy and improv thinking. Yeah. So improvisational comedy and improv thinking. I hear that so much when I listen to other podcasts that are, you know, a lot of comedy podcasts are hosted by people in improv. And I've noticed how that benefits, um, you know, how people are good at even like interviewing or having conversations maybe around movies or, you know, other pop culture things. And what is it about improv that you see is so useful in uh, management? Yeah, I think it's such a great question. I think improv is so useful to all of us, even if you're not in a management role, because so much of our life is improvised. Like even like this interaction, we're talking to each other, like, you know, I don't know what you're going to say exactly. You don't know what I'm going to say. We're just you know, in the moment, listening to each other and just having that 
that improv back and forth. And so that's so much of what, as a professional improviser, which I've been doing improv for 16 going on 17 years, I get on stage, you know, with my team or my crew and we're just getting a suggestion from the audience and we have no idea what they're going to throw at us. And then we're tasked with taking that suggestion and putting on a whole show. And so that only happens when we're able to really trust each other, to listen to each other, to build on each other's ideas, right? There's, we, we can't afford judgment on that stage because it takes time and it like, it costs us brilliance, right? So we have to be able to just let go of that judgment, be super present with each other, listen and build to what we're saying and, and create and collaborate, and make something basically out of nothing. And I think that that really applies beautifully to the kind of thing that we do at work in teams. And so a manager is someone who's kind of making sure that the team is working well and a team that works well works like an improv team. And so that's so much of the skills that I'm trying to help managers have for themselves, but also then how do they support their team being better listeners and being more collaborative and take it to the next step of like, you know, bringing emotional intelligence into what we're doing too. So people that are familiar with the podcast, all of those words are going to sound very, very familiar. I love talking about how we can successfully communicate, collaborate, lift each other up, how we can shine a light on everyone's different uh, skills and how we can work together and how we can um, build, like you said, like, you know, the, the yes anding of it all, like taking something and expanding on it rather than saying no to things. Um, and the emotional intelligence part of it is very interesting to me. It's something that I've tangentially found to be important. And yet I don't really know like the science behind it or like how you really define emotional intelligence. Can you talk a little bit about just that subject? Yeah. And, uh, and before that, I wanted to say just, and yes, thank you for bringing up the yes and, which is so foundational to improv, right? It's just that acceptance and then building on it. And so connecting that to emotional intelligence, where emotional intelligence is really the ability to understand and to manage your own emotions, as well as to recognize and understand the emotions of others and to manage your relationships. So as humans, we are really emotional creatures. That is an important part of what makes us who we are and there's a lot of misconceptions about emotions that and I love this is a topic I love I love getting into it and people think that you know there are good or bad emotions and the truth is that there are not good or bad emotions just there are emotions that sometimes are more comfortable or more uncomfortable and so being able to just listen to what your emotions are telling you because at the end of the day emotions are data they are messengers right i one of the things that i heard from one of uh, my coaches when i first started was the idea of emotions are actually the word motion is in there intentionally because the emotion is trying to give you a message and it'll like get you to move in a certain direction it's giving you information that is helpful and so that if you think about emotions in that way, right, that and just to be accepting of the emotion, listen to the message and learn what it's saying, you can build on it. So that's how you kind of can, yes, and your emotions, but it requires first that level of awareness and recognizing the emotion, what it what it's saying to you, what it means for you. That's such an interesting topic. I feel like 
I, I'm, uh, I was talking with a coworker the other day and just saying like, Hey, I'm crying right now, but don't worry about it. You're not doing anything to me. Like you're not making me cry. I just, that's part of how I process information is just sort of letting tears flow. And I fully believe like, just try not to hold them in, just let them out. I always feel better after I cry and it does help. It seems to help my brain actually work a little bit better. Like if I'm not blocking whatever's happening and try to not judge that uh, emotion or feel embarrassed by it or like, oh, I'm doing something wrong because I'm crying. <laughs> but I'm curious about when we talk about when you mentioned like, you know, it helping a motion for you. Are there things that you either in your training or just in your experience, things that you would suggest to people if they are saying like, I'm really feeling some emotions. How do I deal with them? How do I look at them or examine it? How do I transfer that into data that's of use, I guess? Yeah. And so, I mean, there's a multiple parts to that question and it's, and it's, it's really to the, it's to the core of what I do and what I train. So a lot of times people feel that they, they can't deal with these emotions. And so when people feel that way, it's typically because they're trying to control the emotion. They want it to present in a certain way. It's not meeting their expectations. So the very first thing is being able to just recognize it, which is kind of an open, non-judgmental acceptance. Like this is just what's happening right now, right? Um, so for example, I'm getting, maybe I'm getting mad about, uh, you know, an interaction that that I had with a friend, right? Just to recognize like, oh, you know, there's, there's anger that I'm feeling. It doesn't mean that I'm an angry person. It doesn't have to mean that like there's something fundamentally broken in our relationship, but it's just, just notice that what it is. And this takes practice, right? It's not something that you could just turn on a switch. Like it, it takes practice and to like, recognize what it is, and then also to not judge it and to allow it to be. Then the next, you know, further step is then recognizing, well, what is that trying to tell me? And you and I might feel anger, right? But have completely different takeaways from what it means for us, right? And so one example uh, could be, you know, if being in, you know, a, a friendship and I'm starting to feel anger, it might be because I feel like my values are not being supported right? Like this is, this might be a friend who consistently calls me and I'm supposed to be available, but when I call them, they're, they're never available for me, right? So that's telling me a message, right? There's a message in my anger. And so I have to do a little bit of that work to understand, oh yeah, like what, what is that telling you, right? It is telling you that, hey, something isn't, doesn't feel good here. And so you need to change. And, and so recognizing that, and sometimes, you know, anger might be telling you like, hey, like I could have done something differently, right? And it's like, so it's just, there's so many messages and each little message is nuanced that you can't, you can't just force it. One of the examples that I talk about is I, I sometimes think about your emotional, like your emotions, that emotional self mm -hmm. is a little bit like a toddler, Right. And so if you've ever spent time with a toddler, they are the cutest, like the word, the words that come out of their mouth, and, but they're not quite 
words that you understand unless you spend a lot of time with that toddler, right? So like my my niece, when she's like, wow, like I know that she's saying she wants to get in that little car and have me push her, right? Because I've spent time with her. Like I know what that means. But if you haven't spent time understanding and really listening to the emotions that you have, you might not get their message. And so that's one of the first things that's I just start to recognize it, practice labeling the emotions. And then you start to kind of start to see the patterns. You start to understand what the messages are. That's really well put. Um, and a couple of words came up for me when you were describing this non-judgment and then you know, looking for patterns, et cetera, is um, words that I use a lot, which is compassion and curiosity. And I think of that when you're non-judgmentally sitting with your emotions and sort of trying to tease out what the meanings might be, is that if you can be compassionate and recognize that there's some discomfort, some suffering within yourself, and to give you some space to, to process it, whether it's like for me, I'm a verbal processor. I want to sit and have a long conversation with somebody, or maybe I'm feeling a bit introverted and I want to go close the door and um, have like the fan on. So I'm just sort of got like a, a chamber of, of <laughs> secrecy that I could just like hibernate in and, and that there's no one way to to process. There's no wrong way to do it, I guess, unless you're being in, um, you know, maybe a, a abusive way towards yourself or towards somebody else. Like, but there's no wrong way beyond that to just give yourself that time to process and then be curious, ask yourself questions. I would add to that that there's there's no one way, right? And so I think that's really important too, because sometimes you might see how someone else deals with things and you're like, I should also do that. And, and, and to give yourself permission to figure out what works for you. And that's where that curiosity is so important because it's giving yourself permission. And I always talk about, like, I bring a lot of playful energy to the kind of the trainings and the work that I do, because I think it's really important to stay playful, try things, right? Like, how do you know that being in the room with the door closed and the fan on works? Like, you probably didn't stumble on that the first time, but that curiosity, that playfulness of trying different things helps you to understand what works for you. And so, absolutely, it's going to be unique for all of us. And that's, I think, what's part of what's really cool about, you know, us as humans. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. A lot of uh, when I was coaching um, folks, uh, creative professionals, uh, the word I used a lot was experiment. Let's experiment. So instead of me prescribing some, you know, here's your five point plan for going from A, B to C. It's, it's, it's always going to be different, but you can always experiment. Let's see if you're trying to get that work-life balance right. Let's experiment with doing something with the calendar that's a little different or having an accountability buddy or journaling or, you know, there's a million ways to do all sorts of things. And definitely you bringing that up, it's like, it's, yeah, somebody else might have an idea and you try it out and you're like, oh no, this is absolutely not the way I do things or this was not helpful or this was too strict or stringent or it, there weren't enough, you know, um, 
there weren't enough uh, accountability things set in motion. There's, there's just a little something different for us. And it could also be like, what season is it? You know, where are you located? There's so many different um, things that, that add to that prescription. And it is, um, yeah, being um, absolutely playful and okay with trying new things uh, until you figure out what kind of works for you, at least right now. That's so, so, so important. Yeah. And even the season, you said, you know, what season is it? What season in your life? Because that can change so many things. And so being just, just staying open to playing and kind of figuring out you know, what, what, what do you need? And sometimes it takes a little bit of figuring out and trying different things. And maybe something has changed in your life. You know, maybe you're at a, at a new job or, you know, things have, have shifted in your relationship or, you know, just there's so many different things that kind of can change that too. So, you know, even sometimes you have things you're like, oh, I always know what this means. But if things have shifted, it's still staying, staying curious, never feeling like, you know, things have to be set in stone and with emotions, you know, they're not things, things move, things are ebb and flow. And that's, you know, part of it as well. So, yeah. Yeah. That just made me think of the word flexibility, like that flexibility, curiosity, creativity, that sense of play. I'd love to know how, how is it that you developed what it is at, um, for your business, like, and how it's kind of evolved over time uh, to keep all of those things going. Like I was, when you were talking about values and meeting your values, like joyfulness is, and playfulness are top values of mine, clear communication, um, celebration. And so I'm wondering, yeah, like what kind of, without asking 500 questions, what what sort of helped you uh, shape what it is that you, um, that your business is? Yeah. I, I mean, there's so many different ways that I could answer this. I think, um, to maybe like overly simplify my answer is, um, I had already been doing some of this work. Like I've been, I was teaching improv, uh, in the evenings. I, I, I ran a, an improv theater and, co-ran an improv theater. And then during the day I was teaching wellness at work workshops, like through um, the organization that I was a part of. And so I realized very quickly that there was a lot of overlap between them. And so that is really what kind of pushed me into being in this space. And then the other part of it is why I knew I really wanted to work with managers who lead people teams when it comes to like, how are they managing people, how are they leading, and all the ways that it kind of impacts culture at work. I knew that that's where I wanted to be because when I would listen to people talk about that topic or I would listen to podcasts or in conferences, I always felt like there were things that I had to say that weren't being said. And that is what really made me feel like this is this is where you need to be. Yeah, that's a great answer. So um What's one or two of those things that you feel like, hey, I brought these in. These were conversations that need to have or ways of looking at these problems or ways of, you know, helping these managers communicate or have a strong team. Like, 
what sort of stuff was really super important for you to include and what it is you, that you bring. One of the things I think is what we talked about before is just this idea of emotions not being a bad thing, that emotions don't belong at work. I think. And it's not that people were saying that outright, but that's just kind of how it has been for a while, right? The expectation of, especially if you get promoted and you're in more of a leadership position, there's this expectation to be a little more stoic, a little more like, you know, I don't show people what I feel. And I think that that's a huge mistake. So that was one that I was like, no, that's a problem. And similarly, the idea that when you are a leader, that everything that you do is like so important and you have to take yourself so seriously into this level of importance. I think that a work can be done that is important work, but we don't have to take ourselves as people so seriously that we're not able to still be human. Cool. Those were great answers to that question. So as we start to wrap up our, our conversation, as far as your life right now um, with doing this business, and this is your company, right? Like you run this company. Are you still doing improv like at night or, you know, being part of a team or, you know, how is playfulness in your life outside of work? Yes, it's it's so funny. I have um I, I play as much as, as I can. <laughs> so I, I play just regularly in, in my life. Um, my husband likes to say that I'm um, I'm a bit of a, a, a scoundrel, if you will, because I'm always looking for the game. I'm always like, it doesn't matter what we're doing. I could be washing dishes and I'm like, how can I make this a little game and make this more fun for myself? Um, but then I do perform on stage. I am part of a group here in Sacramento that's the Masters of Rap Improv and we perform monthly. So that's a super fun show where we get suggestions from the audience of things like topics that you've never heard people rap about. And then we improvise rap songs and then we do improvised scenes based on those songs. And then it's just like, it's just a ball of delight and fun. I love that show. Love my team. We've been doing that for five years. Um, awesome. Even through the pandemic, we did Zoom shows, which was fun. Uh, and then now I'm also involved with a group um, that's just like zoom prov which is really fun that's called melanated tv and so they're doing a lot of really cool things through the improv place which you can find on facebook and so cool so yeah i'll definitely share links in the show notes for the podcast and if you're watching this on youtube the links below um to everything that you're doing creatively and of course your business can you remind me what the name of your actual business is yeah it's improv eq Right. Okay. And then EQ because emotional intelligence, also known as the emotional quotient or EQ. So improv and EQ. Beautiful. Yeah. I, um, I love that attitude too. I'm always re, uh, reminding myself and writing down over and over and over again. If this thing was fun, what would it look like? So this task or this drudgery or this, you know, daunting, say, you know, coming up on tax season, how can I make tax season fun? How can I make going and getting some gas and running these chores? You know, how can it be fun? And that's definitely helped yeah. me reframe a lot of those things. And yeah, just putting on like a good dance mix and dancing while house cleaning or whatever, it definitely changes it, changes up the mood and I have a little mantra that I, I sometimes share, which is uh, F it. So EF. Um, so thinking of a thing, it's like, how can I make this easier? How can I make it more fun? Perfect. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Betsaida. It was so wonderful to chat with you more. And, you know, we're not too far from each other. So I'd love to meet up with you sometime in person. But it's been great meeting you. And thanks so much for being on the show. Of course. My pleasure. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. This has been Vibrant Visionaries. I've been Heidi Bennett. And ciao for now.